Hi. Okay. So I wanted to be the first person to be heard on this episode because of just what I am talking about. So I've called it Shep's app, but really it is the story of both of my sons and how they have made their way into this world. And if you're someone that just wants to get to the part about Shep's birth, I have some timestamps for you. So the first 15 minutes is going to recap the two and a half year journey to get Shep into my arms and into my family. And then at the 20 minute mark, I start contrasting Wyatt's experience. So it's kind of not fair to call this Shep's birth story because it's definitely Shep's birth story intermixed with Wyatt's because they don't make sense without the other. And about 25 minute mark um, is when I really start getting into exactly what happened with Shep. So I hope you stick around for the whole thing. Also, don't make fun of me because I didn't know how to fade out the music. So it is a hard jump right into my voice, but just let it pass because I am eight eight days past birth and I'm just so happy to be able to put this out in the world and remember it as clearly as I do now. So enjoy. See you later. excited because today is Shep's birthday party. Wee-hee. We are celebrating our newest little woo-woo member. Angela just had her second little boy, Shep, and we're going to talk all about it. We have loved doing these. I mean, there's been three since our podcast has started. We've had three birth stories. We are tired. <laughs> um, so today is Angela's first time getting on talking about her birth. And I actually haven't heard a lot of this from her. Um, We've saved a lot so that I can actually hear it for the first time as well. And we hope that it helps you and like inspires you and is fun even just to get the tea. Um, This has been a big blessing. I'm so honored to have this conversation with Angela because it was a long time coming. Anyways, I've got a little song for us to just get us in the mood. You ready? Yes, I love it. I love that song. Let's get into it. I am so excited to talk about this. I am bursting with sunbeams, rainbows, sunshine. I mean, I never thought I would see the day. I I really didn't know it could be this good. And so as I take you through my story, I just want to hit a couple of things up top. 
But ultimately, I just want you to know as you're listening, I am at so much peace and I am, I just didn't know it could be this good. So I'm so Aww. happy and I'm so excited. Um, I will be referencing my firstborn's birth because a lot of my fear and grief and stuff is kind of intermixed between my sons. And let me tell you how fun it is to say that plurally. Uh, so Wyatt is my firstborn. So you'll hear me reference him. He is turning four in August. Uh, we started the podcast after he was born. He was already uh, like seven months when we started this podcast. So I had healed from the birth that I had with him. And so uh, we never got to record Wyatt's. And I think that that is, is like for a reason, because I'm going to just reference it here right now. I'm in Shepland. So let's talk about it. Okay. So I don't even know where to start. Okay. So I, uh, as some context around what was going on with me, I got pregnant with Wyatt really quickly, uh, right when we got off of birth control and I carried him until 31 weeks and then I had an emergency C-section because I had a life-threatening illness called HELP syndrome. So he was in the NICU for six weeks and I'm not going to get into all of that, but I just needed to give that as a context to my starting point. So then a year into Wyatt's life, me and Nick are thinking about trying for another. We have had therapy. We changed a ton in our life. Um, and, you know, your kids have a way of teaching you what you care about. And our his life was so fragile that so many things that we used to care about were so far from what we cared about after. And so it was a really good reset, although really hard and grief stricken. And so a year into Wyatt's life, we started thinking about a second. And so I had no reason to think that it was going to be difficult. And maybe that was naive, but I had such an easy time with Wyatt. I'm not, you know, over the age of 35, me and Nick are active, healthy people. And I just made all these assumptions. And so um, I just learned, uh, learned along the way with my journey that you just don't know what can happen. And holding life in your body is such a beautiful gift that I'll never I'll never lose like the gratitude and honor of now of how things played out. And so I got pregnant again in December of 2020 and I did lose that pregnancy. Uh, it was my first chemical pregnancy. And then I got pregnant again and we kept trying and that was devastating. Of course, it was blindsiding. We had told all our family because it was around Christmas time. And then I had to do the like untelling people and it was horrible. I mean, I say it now with such a strength in my voice because I'm in such a different place now. And so much of this chapter has been healed for me, uh, but I was really going through it. And so the rest of the next two and a half years, I continued to miscarry. So I miscarried again in July, 2021. And then again in November, and then the final miscarriage in March 2022. Um, and that is when, no, wait, was it 2022? No, it's 2022. Hello. <laughs> no sleep over here. But anyway, okay, so my final one was March 2022. And that was the di most difficult one for sure. Because I had, I made it the farthest. And so I'd already had a sonogram. And then I had the next sonogram that said, like, my sac had collapsed. It was not a viable pregnancy. And so this time it was the fourth, you know, the fourth time that it happened. And in this month, me and Kendall launched our woo-woo school course, which is a huge passion project for us that we had been working with behind the scenes. And so we launched and had our first day 
at Kendall's house while I was actively miscarrying a baby. It's also it's also crazy too because Angela and I talk a lot, but we don't actually get to be physically in the same space a ton. And I was with her for two of her miscarriages, like two out yeah. of four. Yeah. I happened to be with her the day that it happened. It, I was so integrated into this experience with you with loss you know yeah Yeah, absolutely and Ken so during that weekend we had a lot of girls over at Kendall's house and I was not telling anyone that I was miscarrying so I was just drinking tequila and acting like everything was fine but I was like hurting bad and so Kendall said something that was so helpful to me at the time I couldn't see it or hear it because I was so in my pain But she said, Angela, I know, I know from the bottom of my heart, there's a reason and your, your baby is coming. We don't know what we don't know. And you were just so full of confidence and full of knowing. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time, couldn't receive it. I was so upset and it felt at the time, like a platitude, you know, like where everyone says everything happens for a reason. And those things I do believe, I do believe those things. But in the time I was like, yep, I know people always say my time's coming. Like it just, it, I skated over it, but I do remember the conversation so viscerally. So yeah, then I remember, remember I was like, I really feel like there's some spiritual reason here. Like it's not some physical thing. There's a spiritual reason your baby is waiting. I knew in my gut, I was like, it will happen. So March, 2022, that that happened. So then I started the journey in April of fertility testing. And that was a whole ordeal too. I promise you guys stay with me. If this, this is, I have to put this in. It's, it's a disservice to my story and a disservice to me as a mother, if I leave this out. So if this isn't your style, you might have to skip ahead and get to the good parts. I cannot in good conscience, leave this out. So, but I promise it's good. It gets good. And this is why, I mean, life, what is life except marveling at what we have conquered and what we have gone through. So at this point, I start fertility treatments. So I go and get all these tests. It's so expensive. It's so stressful on my marriage. Me and Nick are grieving, but on opposite times. So like I would be going through it, then I would be on my feet, he would go through it. So in April, we start doing these testing. We're I'm getting all these tests, HSG, H, all of the stuff, the camera up the uterus, like my infertility girlies already know. I went through the the docket and and then we did Nick's testing as well. So we did have a small thing on his side. I'm not going to like speak on him. It was fixable with some vitamins and it changed. It was a, ma- a malleable number. So it changed the next month. So they really didn't think that that was at play. It was just something to consider. And then we we just kept coming up with no answers. It was just no one really knew why. And so I got diagnosed with unexplained second infertility. So that was in 2022 in March and April and May. And we were kind of going through all of that. And then in May, my brother had a collapse and had a near death experience. Did not, he was brain dead. It was a whole ordeal. I know I just rushed through that trauma. There's a lot of trauma there for me, but that moment was the moment I said, this is why I'm not supposed to be pregnant right now because Mm -hmm. my whole family was in the trenches. We were just completely nothing behind the eyes. And that continued until he's still in a nursing home. This was, you know, we're over a year out from his collapse. He's still in a nursing home. He's 30 years old. He's disabled. 
there's a lot there. During this time, me and my family are completely at a loss. And so this was when I started noticing, wow, Ange, what if any of your miscarriages had been a full-term baby? How old would they be? I would either going to be seven months pregnant or have a two-month-old. The way the math was playing out was just like, how hard would that be to navigate both of those things at the same mm-hmm. time? So fast forward, we go into September and October and I decide to do IUI. Both of them failed. It is a small mini IVF. I hate calling it mini IVF because it was really, really emotional for me and physical, but I also want to be reverent to my IVF girlies because it's in no comparison to that journey. So I do those two things. They fail. And at this point, uh, after two and a half years and failed infertility stuff and all my miscarriages, I just lost my mind. That's the only way I could describe it. I was screaming at it. I was screaming. I was on the floor. I was rage filled. I was so emotional. I, I didn't even recognize myself because of how much I just like had a mental breakdown and I just surrendered. I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. Like I'm out of the arena. I started to adjust that why it was going to be an only child. And so in November, I, was the officiant of my friend's wedding. And I really started just pouring my love into that. And I loved writing her ceremony. I love my friend, Laura, shout out Laura and shout out Alec. It was the first time I officiated. And so I was just in that and that kind of brought a healthy distraction for me. So we did the math and we do believe that I conceived the night of Laura's wedding. Naturally. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had a hot ass ass dress. I mean, officiant who? Officiant where? Because that dress was backless. Um, but anyway, we had such a good night that night and, um, the math just kind of worked Clearly. out. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, if for the first time, for the first time in so long, it wasn't on my mind. And it wasn't calculated. Cause I remember no. you at this point, it was something that was hard for you. And I want to be intimate with my husband tracking everything. Am uh-huh. I ovulated? Am I not? Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, Does this just... carry? What are my chemical levels? Something was so... At that point, a bit mechanical, trying to move the needle with this. I just remember you throwing your hands up and surrender. For my mental health, I can't worry about this for a little while. I don't know when I'll pick this back up, but I have to set this down for my mental health. Yeah. And then once you set it down, I hear (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was so scientific. It was so void of like passion. It, it I mean, it put such a damn. It was so hard on my marriage. Honestly, it was really difficult. I was really much in my wounded masculine because I was so obsessed with the numbers. And then Nick was just begging me to put it down, and I was like, I can't. It's so important to me. And so we just were grieving differently. And so, anyways, that was horrible. <laughs> I get pregnant, right? And then I'm. At this point, sadly, I'm robbed of that joy of just like immediately planning, right? I'm just like, oh, we'll see. Like, I'm just so casual. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. But okay, I need to enter some important information here. I had switched OBs. I love my old OB, but she left that medicine uh, side of medicine. So she was with me my entire journey of Wyatt's birth and then all of this. Um, And then she left. But I said, okay, well, I want your OB because she has young kids. And she told me, her doctor, Dr. Banks in Flower Mound, shout out. And so I went to her and then within the first month of me going to her, I got pregnant. And it was, I believe, because I advocated for this test called MTHFR and I did have the gene variant and the fix was to be on this special vitamin called L-methylfolate. MTHFR variant is not recognized by Western medicine, but it is something that a lot of people carry. It's very common. 
And so I took, it makes, it basically means that you can't process folic acid. So I took a vitamin for that month and I got pregnant that month successfully and was able to carry to, to term. So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there because that was really important. I want to scream from the rooftops. Uh, if you're going through any part of this, please hit me up and I can explain it to you. MTHFR gene, I will help you guys if that is clicking for you. So I get pregnant. We'll never know if that was the reason, but it sure was coincidental that I started that vitamin that, that month. So we're pregnant, right? I am holding my breath. I've learned a lot from my first pregnancy and uh, why it was delivered early. So I knew I was high risk. I knew that there would be some stuff that I had to watch out for, my blood pressure, uh, things were gonna be a little bit delicate. So I was just prepared. But at the same time, I am proud of myself for this. For the most part, until the end, I was very much in a surrender. I, If I was feeling like I overworked myself, I laid down and it's very hard for me to rest. So I took rest seriously through my pregnancy, almost to the detriment of my family system because I was prioritizing taking it easy which put a lot of, you know, weight on my husband and our toddler and our business and the way that, you know, our our lives run. But I don't regret it for a minute because all of those like chiropractic appointments and meeting with my doula and getting massages, like it was, that was what I was supposed to be focused on. And so it put me in a good spot before I had Shep to at least be relaxed as much as I could. Of course, past traumas were sneaking in, but for the most part, I was like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this until I can't. And I kept feeling like this other shoe was going to drop. But until I had evidence, I don't deserve to not. I, it's a disservice to me to not just like at least just be happy that I'm here and take it day by day. And so I would just be like, today I'm pregnant. Today I'm pregnant until I got through the first trimester. And then we got in the second trimester and I'm like, all right, things are moving. My blood pressure is okay. Let's just see how far we can go, you know? And I remember this phase. I have this distinct memory. I was at an art museum and I had a conversation. So Angela is probably like two or three months pregnant at this point and we're texting and I was asking her like, when are you going to share that you're pregnant? Like Angela is, I'm a bit more private, but Angela is <laughs> such an open book that I was like, how in the hell have you restrained from shouting this from the rooftop for this long? And, uh, and she was like, I'll just, I just need to know when it's right. Like I'll know when it's right. And the fact that she had made it past, like what most people would consider a safe time to share, she was still holding it close to her chest, blew my mind. She really is in a space where she's scared that she was going to drop. Yeah. If Angela is <laughs> yeah. like, I can't be sharing. That really broke my heart for you of how much that journey robbed that innocent joy of just I'm pregnant and of course this is going to happen and so just I remember when you posted and like finally shared with everyone because how many weeks were you when you finally shared hmm, let me go look yeah I was like 18 weeks 17 okay weeks, somewhere in oh there. my gosh I love how I remembered more than you I was no, like I somewhere know. between <laughs> 17 and 20 and you're like who even knows so when you shared that I was like okay she's in it she is sharing this with everyone of course you told your your most intimate people but I think because you're someone who loves to live your life out loud and in in community with everyone that was really yeah. 
shocking to me that you were holding it for so long. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I, that is really a part of my story too. So I was, when I was carrying Shep and I'm an astro believer, shocker to none, he's a cancer and cancers are known to be more homebodies and they're intuitive and they're nurturing. And I just, outside of being a cancer, I could feel introverted energy from him, which is not who I am. So I adapted to that. I was offline a lot. I wasn't really. Yes, okay, bro. We were looking at comparison photos. Angela pregnant with a Leo literally wearing heels in like she's like 30 weeks pregnant, just yeah. trotting around skin tight outfit and heels with yeah. a big old belly. Yeah. And then we we skipped to Shep and she's like, you know, I don't really need to be online. Nothing to share. <laughs> just such different energy of the boys she was carrying. It absolutely was. Cancer is so much more fluid and a little bit more like observer and um, subtle. And I felt beautiful in both pregnancies. Uh, I really do. Um, even though I felt like shit, I was scared. I was scared to share. I was scared. And so I did kind of keep everything pretty close to heart. So as we get closer, right, I'm looking to have a VBAC. So that's a vaginal birth after C-section. It's I had an emergency C-section with Wyatt. I thought I was going to be a good candidate for a VBAC. My provider knew I was fighting until the very end. I did everything I could to continue to be a good candidate, which is keep your blood pressure under control and we'll see, right? The the general way it was going to go was she said, likely your blood pressure is going to start creeping up and we're going to take him at 37 weeks because that is early full term. And so that would save you from going to 40 and possibly getting help again. And the baby is, you know, old enough to not usually need a NICU stay. And so it's that little sweet spot between where baby and mommy can both get out healthy, right? Well, I, I was dismissive of that plan. I was like, no, I want to go to 40 weeks. I want to have the full experience that I always thought I was going to have. I want to have this baby vaginally. I was like really dead set and I tried tried as much as I could to make that happen. As we got closer to the end, it was hot as hell in Texas and I was feeling so miserable and it did aid in my decision to go with my, and I was never gonna go against medical advice. That's not what I'm saying. I just was with her consent. She was, she was gonna let me go as far as it would be until my blood pressure would be dangerous. So I had a couple spikes in my blood pressure. Things were getting a little squirrely. They sure were. And I had never known. <laughs> they sure were. They absolutely were. Um, and so with Wyatt, I just, the day that I had him was the day I found out that I had high blood pressure. I was almost asymptomatic. I just went in because of an intuitive knowing for me. I was like, something is wrong. And so I moved up just a regular appointment and I had him that same day. So I'm glad I listened to my inner gut on that day with Wyatt. But I had nothing to prepare me, whereas this one was way more gradual. I just like started to kind of creep up in blood pressure. They put me on labetalol. I just, it, it, things were sort of like, let's keep playing it by week and we'll see. And then it started to kind of creep up some more. And we were just sort of in this place of like, what we could let you go, but you could end up in an emergency C-section or we can schedule this C-section and know, you know, that this is a good timeline for us. And I was just, I was really fighting that and mourning that up until the end. Um, but finally around July 4th, I got on board and was like, you know what? I'm doing the repeat C-section. Like I did all that I could. I'm going to, and I gr I'll grieve the, the way that I thought I was going to birth my kids. And it was really important to me. 
as your friend too, I think understandably like a trauma associated with your last C-section, like it was spur of the moment, unexpected, ended in a NICU stay, extended NICU stay, just everything emotionally with that was, I think you both wanted to be like, Hey, I want to experience this. But I also think that there was this emotional tie to like, I don't want to revisit that space. Yes. I really think it'll be so redeeming just having a different experience than your first one and, and being prepared and knowing what day it is and having your ducks in a row yeah. um, instead of like surprise, you're having a baby today and getting rushed into an emergency room. I was terrified of the OR. I was so scared of the operating room. I was terrified. It was the scariest. It was the scariest moment of my life. I didn't know if I was going to make it. I, that is not dramatic. They, I was way sicker than I knew. And in fact, I was reunited in a very spiritual way, which I'll get into. The good stuff is coming. Hold on with me. I know we're in the tsunamis. We're in the tsunamis right now. Hold on. Hold on with me because the sunshine's coming at the end of the story and I can't wait to share it. Um, So uh, yeah, but so I was scared of the OR based on the emergent way that Wyatt entered the the world. And so um, it was really touch and go. I was totally out of it. I was reunited with some of the staff that happened to be there on the night that I delivered Wyatt. And then they were happened to be on call. I don't know these people's names. You know, I'm in the, and they, they remembered me four years later, I'm having my second baby. And they were like, I would never forget you and your story. And I'm here for you. Uh. And, and I'll get into that. Cause I, I'm going to start bawling, but okay. So let's, okay. So here we go. Right. I, I surrender. Right. I'm actually a, a planner and there's so many good things. I start to really get on board. All right, I'm packing my hospital bag. I never got to do that the first time. I am getting the dog situated. I am preparing. And I was like, wow, okay, there is some perks to this. I'm Nick owner our business, telling the team, all right, you know, we're going to be out of pocket, like sorting, sorting everything out for July 11th, 7-Eleven. What a good birthday though, for real. And so as we creep closer I was still like, maybe I'll go into labor on my own. I was still kind of holding out hope. I did hire a doula and I had plans on her helping me labor at home. When the plan changed, I started to just feel really like numb to the whole idea. I did lose my excitement, which is shocking to know how it happened after and know how much joy was waiting for me. But in the in the before, and so I started kind of peeling back these things that I wanted. And it seems so small now. It seems so small now, but it was so huge to me at the time. I couldn't have my doula in the OR. I couldn't have a lot of the things that I wanted to make this birth really peaceful. And so I just was, I walked in on that day and I was so nervous. I had never been more nervous in my life that week before I was like a hazard to be around my mom was like I've never seen you like that ever I was just a pressure cooker and so that morning we dropped my son off at school me and Nick are in the car we're headed to have that freaking baby and I checked in at 10 my mom and my doula are there at the hospital me and Nick are there I set a no hospital visitors boundary because I just wanted to get through it and make sure we all made it on the other side So it's just my mom and my doula, which I wanted. We go to the room before I have him and Nick and I see the waiting room and we spent so much time there with Wyatt and I didn't expect to be as triggered and Nick literally couldn't walk. He was like, oh no, the waiting room. Like he just like was, he spent so much time with 
on his computer at a toxic job while we had a NICU baby and he couldn't be on the phone in the NICU. So he'd have to like go visit our kid and then go work outside of in a hospital waiting room. And he just, when he set eyes on it and he's such a different person now, and we are such different people now, we are so much better and like mentally on the same page. But at that time we were just in just survival, survival, like, so the waiting room, I mean, the the hall of L&D and NICU are the same. Probably just even the smell. Get off the elevator. They're leading me to my room of the waiting, like the little room before you go into surgery. It's a temporary space. And the smell when we walked through the door, I mean, everything came back so viscerally. Uh, it was shocking. And in that moment, I was like, I shouldn't have had him here. I should have had him at a different hospital. Like I, I'm too triggered. Like I was, it just was a lot. It was so much. And then just, I was at 37 weeks, which is controversial in the medical community. Is, is it full term? Is it not? It's kind of in this gray area. I was nervous. I was so nervous. So then it was just me and Nick. Um, and I'm getting in the bed, uh, the hospital bed and my mom and my doula I don't remember where they went and so we're looking at like it's like 10 30 so I'm shaking I don't like IVs uh, we haven't had any IVs yet I I was scared of the spinal tap uh like being under anesthesia I I'm not not well <laughs> I am really not well so I can barely talk um so then my doula comes in and we're waiting on my doctor to get there but it was it happened so fast I mean this is 10 30 uh, just a timeline. He was out of my body at 1220. So we're in this like two hour window before he's here. So my doula, I'm starting to cry and get really nervous. My mom is like, it's going to be okay. You know, and Nick is just silent. He's just looking at his feet. He was just, we were just so nervous. And my doula sees me crying. She comes and like, gives me a hug and she gives me a massage as she turns the lights off. She put some rose oil from my mother's blessing on my temple. She really calmed me down. I started to feel better. She like put out these little mood lights and so I was really thankful in that moment. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I needed. And I, Lily ended up being such a huge champion of my story. And I love, I'm so glad I was really spiritually connected to her the whole time. So I, and she and my mom hit it off. So then they were getting lunch together. It was, it was just awesome. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. And so I am on the IV of fluids and I'm waiting and then they, wheel me back and I'm like all right mom you know I'll see you on the other side and you can only bring one person so this is the part for Nick that he was the most scared so I was the most scared in the OR uh, being on the table Nick was the most scared at this point where they make the husband scrub in and there's a wait before they can come in so they get started on mom and it's about a like 10 to 15 minute wait so he's outside by himself oh my gosh just like in his own feelings oh my yes, gosh you guys and I did not know this he has kept this for four years in his chest they told him when we were having Wyatt we don't know who's gonna make it so we need you to sign these papers and say do you want to save oh, mom or save son my he never got he never told me that and so in this 15 minute thing they do that anyways I think uh, th I this was my first birth but they like they had a special team come and talk to him so and he's like right back in this space where he's literally having to decide like, yeah, like one this, who yeah. lives and then two, it's like, if they live, like, am yes. I about to lose yes. my son and wife? Yes. And so with Wyatt's, he's, you know, he was like, save mom. I mean, he saved mom for sure. But he, he had to sit with that for 15 minutes while I, he didn't know if I had already died. I mean, like he didn't know anything. 
And so then when he came in, okay, so let's, let me set the scene a little bit with some more trauma. Yay. (laughs) Of with Wyatt. So real quick, Wyatt, I felt like I was on a Grey's Anatomy episode. So when, when I got brought back there, it was quiet. Like you could hear a pin drop and there, it was so now that I have two contrasting experiences, I know that there was a reverence of the team. People were really respectful and the mood was serious. And so I had a team and Wyatt had a whole team. So there were so many people in the OR for Wyatt's birth. So many people. And I just, now that I've had a different experience, I can't wait to get to the Sheppy part, but I have to tell you this. I have to tell you, like, stay with me, stay with me. Yes. Um. So with the first, with Wyatt's birth, the anesthesiologist was like an inch away from my face and watching, watching my levels and stuff. And like watching me like a hawk, everybody was like very, very tuned in. I was not in this earth. You guys, I was on a ton of drips. Uh, I was heavily sedated. I was on a bunch of stuff to save my life. I was on my magnesium drip girlies know um, if you've had like severe preeclampsia, magnesium makes you feel awful. Uh, it felt like cement was in my blood. I couldn't even, I was in shock too. This is, I'm having a 31 weeker. I, I was not there. It was happening. I have, I remember it, but mentally I was not there. I, I wasn't able to, right. my brain, your brain protects you. Right. So you're, I was disassociating. And then with Wyatt, they, he comes out he's not breathing. I never knew that either. Nick never told me that Wyatt was not breathing. They immediately took Wyatt to the warmer. They they took took him out. Wyatt left with Nick immediately. He was not breathing. They had to intubate him. So they go to the NICU to make sure he is alive. Because at this point now, with the birth of the child, that was what was going to save my life. So the only, the only cure to HELP syndrome is to birth the baby. So the second the baby is out. I still had to be on my blood pressure medicine. I still had to be on all my crazy shit, but the, the likelihood of me surviving is like a lot higher now. So I'm good. And Nick leaves with the baby. And so then I'm on the table for the next 20 minutes, like being, being sewed up. And I remember at one point asking if my doctor was still in the room. Cause I felt like no one was there. Like I felt, uh. I felt just it was so traumatic to be like is my baby alive am I alive like is my doctor here it was so awful and so this was what I was afraid of this entire time and why I was fighting so hard for a v-back because I was like I can't like I cannot go back and do it again I can't do it again it's good it's way too triggering all right so let's get into Shep let's do it team I'm so happy all right So I had all of that weighing on me, okay? That whole journey that I just took you guys on, that was all culminating to this moment in my head and why I wasn't able to access full joy until, you know, until this point. And so they're wheeling me back and I'm in that place of just like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, at least he's going to get out. Like my expectations are zero, sub, I mean, negative. They walk me into the part where they put the spinal block on there's a few people they ask they're laughing and making jokes they asked me like what kind of music do you want on and I was like man I guess this is like kind of sacrilegious because I used to be a hater but I'm really into country music and this like big tatted guy that was part of the anesthesiology team was like 
say it isn't so like don't do this to me and I was like I know but you're gonna have to play country for me I'm laughing with the staff they're they're putting on music the nurse that's holding me still to be like all right you're gonna you're gonna feel this you know you're gonna feel your your body go numb the environment was so light I, I didn't know it could be that way I did not know it could be that way I was not scared it was so different to the I walked in to get I hopped up on the table to get my spinal block I was there was no walking I was basically put under with Wyatt like I walked in I obviously can't walk out because I'm numb they put me they moved me the nurse was so sweet they put me back I guess from there, they take me straight to, yeah, they take me straight to the operating room. So now I'm on the table. I've been numbed. The staff chilling. Literally, there's barely any people in there. No one is, the anesthesiologist with Wyatt, you know, was really, really close to me. This guy could have basically been on his phone. And I say this with love. I loved how relaxed it was. Some people find that really off-putting. Um, that like people are just talking about their lunch while you're cut up on the table. I loved it. I loved you it. You were like, thank God that thank this God. is like the I level knew. of comfortability yes. everybody in this room has. Yes. And they weren't talking about lunch. I'm just using it as an example of like the, there was such casualness. They were talking about their schedule. Um, it was, it was night and day. Now, mind you this time I asked for no sedation. I'm obviously numb, but I did not, I wanted to be fully in the moment. Cause the last time I was so knocked out. And I didn't react like myself. And so this time I asked, you know, for no sedation, I wanted to be fully there. But with that comes anxiety. So we start, she starts to, I'm starting to be cut open. The catheter is being put in. I can't feel anything. I can't, and I start to feel like I can't breathe. And so I, this is the only part that was a little bit, you know, shocking. And I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I cannot breathe. And the anesthesiologist comes over to me and he's like, look at me, look at your stats. You're statting at a hundred percent. You can breathe. You're talking. You can breathe. He was like, I know that this is scary, but I can get you an oxygen mask and can we see if it helps? And then Dr. Banks, my doctor is like so casual. And she was like, the same thing happened to me, girl. And me and me and Dr. Banks are besties at this point. Like we've been joking and laughing my entire pregnancy. We really connected. I connected with her off the bat. And so she's like, the same thing happened to me with my kiddos because she's had two C-sections. Um, and so they gave me the they gave me the oxygen mask and I didn't need it, but it helped me calm down. And mind you, Nick is not in just the reminder time. to breathe. Yes. Cause I imagine yes. this is just your anxiety flare. Oh my God. Where you're oh, like, Am I, I mean, having a, a panic attack? Yes. And I've never had a panic attack in my life, except for then. Um, now I know because I really did think that I wasn't breathing. And so um they give me the oxygen mask. It I'm and I'm like, can Nick come in? Like I'm so ready to see him. I turn my head to the left, and this nurse comes over to me. And it, there's something so special about a C-section because everyone's in surgical gear, so you only have access to people's eyes, and so it's so intimate. And she comes over to me, and she go, she holds my hand, and she said, "You're not gonna remember me." but I remember you. I would never forget your story. Oh, I was here. God. I was here in the OR when you delivered Wyatt four years ago. And she was like, I'm not going anywhere. Hold my hand. Me and you are together. When your husband comes, I'll, I'll wait until his hand is on top of ours and his hand will go into yours. And the literal angel angel and like, what are the chances? I don't know this woman's name. I did not remember her. I was in my trauma blackout four years later she's on the schedule to like I had Wyatt at night this is the middle of the day 
she happens to still work at the same hospital on this day it's just wild like spirit was in this was spiritually guided there's just no way yeah she was an angel i couldn't have um my doula in the operating room she took all the pictures she literally was like when he got out of my body she's like hand me the phone let's take pictures Mom, i Dad, was actually together. wondering who was like taking the photos this like, angel you know this, you were this sending freaking, me photos and i'm like this, who was in there taking these this amazing angel and also a perk of a scheduled see you guys i got a blowout i did my makeup like i'm like i'm going in looking nice then because i oh my gosh was, angela was like <laughs> partly considering a spray tan i was like <laughs> i am dead at the difference of this experience she's like anyway yeah. going for my glam squad yeah fully like when I went to go get my blowout and they're like when are you having the baby I'm like tomorrow they're like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) um anyway I don't regret that at all I felt so much better in those pictures I mean with why you guys I I mean I was a shit show I I didn't even have clean underwear on like uh yeah so anyway Nick comes into the room okay and so we're we just both we hear the country music going um we're just everything is just so so peaceful and I got excited. So the first cut was made at 12 and they, st- they're like, all right, this is a 1220 when Shep was born. They per my request, they have a transparent drape. So you can pull up. It's a perfectly designed little drape where you, you don't see your body or anything gross, no guts, nothing, but they have it positioned to where when the baby comes out, you, you can, can see, see the baby, you can see the baby leave your body. They pull the drape up and they're like, all right, he's here. He reaches his arms out to give mommy a hug. I'm not even exaggerating. And he's screaming, which is what you want at the relief. Oh my God. I was like, we made it. Like I was in shock. It wasn't until that moment that I could access that I was that scared to lose him until he was here and so clearly healthy. And they like casually walk him over to the warmer. And my doctor had made an announcement like, everyone skin to skin with mom is highest priority we are getting skin to skin with mom because that was the last part of my birth plan that I had wanted was just you know I wanted to hold him immediately I didn't care if he was covered in guts I wanted to hold him as soon as possible so they quickly like quickly get his weight and they hand him back over to me and when he was put on my chest I have a picture of the moment because of that angel nurse I I've never felt more joy I was so happy I was so happy like I could have stayed in that over for days it was I no longer gave a shit about how long it took I uh, the time the part I was most afraid of with Wyatt was the best part of Shep's birth and you guys just for for like I'm seven days (laughs) post-birth I had this baby. <laughs> I had this baby. I had Shep a week ago. And so my hormones are strong, but I would cry about this until the last of my days because I just was just floored. I was floored. I was like, I did not know birth could go this way. I had mm-hmm. no no reference point, no understanding that the C-section could bring me so much peace. And now if I have future kids, I'll never do it a different way. I'm like, the second I get pregnant again, if we have more kids, I'm going to be like, uh, scheduled C-section, please. Thank you. Like I am. Yes. Give me the date. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Give me the date. Thank you so much. Um, I look over at Nick. I've seen Nick cry maybe five times in my life. He's bawling. We're both bawling. Um, and we get back to the room and at this point, and Nick has just been quiet crying and like, we're both not saying anything. We're just like looking at each other and the baby's on me 
and he's like, you know, holding my head and giving me a kiss and giving baby a kiss. And then we're, I mean, we're wrapped up like in 20 minutes, we're out of there and we're going wheeling back that to the room. That just blows my mind how fast that is. It's so fast. And so we're wheeling back, you know, I've got my sweet baby and there's this, there was a delay for something like they either wheeled me, they had to do something or I don't know. It was a very short delay where uh, Shep got wheeled into my little L and D room first with Nick. And then I, they had to do something with me. It was like a two to three minute delay of that. So I didn't feel triggered at all. I was like high as a kite. I was not on drugs, but I felt like I felt high. I felt euphoric. I was on adrenaline for sure. And just overjoyed. I was so happy. Um, a little note here too, Nick, when we were planning the C-section, when we finally were like, okay, let's do it. He goes, okay, so where does the baby go after the surgery room? I was like, Nick, he stays with us. And he goes, no, like at the nighttime, where do they have to take him? Cause like our whole journey with Wyatt was, he wasn't in our room. I never, Wyatt and I were not in the same room until he was six weeks old. As far as like where our bodies had to be. Right. Right. So Nick did not know any different either. So he's like, where does the baby go? And I was like, the baby stays in a bassinet with us until we're discharged from the hospital. And he was like, oh, okay. That's so much fun. Like he was so excited. And so then he has this one-on-one with my mom and he's just crying and it's just him and my mom. And my mom goes, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like, why are you crying? What's like, what's the biggest reason that you're crying? And Nick like took a beat and he looked at my mom and he goes, Angela got what she wanted. Oh God. I so sweet. It's so oh my sweet. god. It's so sweet. Like it's just so sweet. So anyway. Oh, we, I wasn't ready back. for that. <laughs> no, I know. I, I cannot. I, I'm just like, he is such a good husband. I don't even have to say that uh, to anyone, but like he is, he really is. And he just he just loves me so deep and it, he's a man of few words so it's just I just love him so um so then we go back to the room and we're all as a family and I am just like so happy I'm chattering because the hormones are leaving your body they don't warn you about that I mean I remembered from Wyatt but and I don't know if this happens to everyone but I was like chattering like go back to the room and at this point I'm so happy that I have that hospital boundary too, like where I just like, I just don't have to deal with a lot of people right now. They did notice some grunting in the, in the OR with Shep. So they did have to take him to get observed for about two and a half, three hours, like pretty soon after birth. Nick went with him and then I was trying to be cool and just like, I at least could text Nick and be like, okay, what, where's he at? Like, what's he doing? And like, Nick was at least there the whole time. But this is the point in the story where I did get a little bit, like, uh-oh, like, are, yeah. we heading, are we heading back? I, I, is it safe to feel joy? So this three hours was a little bit tough for me. It was a point where my mom and my doula went to lunch because I was good. So then Nick is in the observation room. And then I was just in my room waiting and it, and hoping, you know, they were going to come back and say he was good. And then they had left something on the bassinet that it started alarming and I could not get up. And so it started, actually, I have, I'm going to play, let's see if you can hear this, but I actually recorded it because this unfortunately was extremely triggering for me.
because the alarms in the NICU always meant that like Wyatt's stats were going down and something was happening and he had to have an intervention. And so the alarm, the noises of the machine. Oh my God. Yeah. So I am in the bed. I can't, I'm, I'm fresh from my surgery, so I can't move. I can't feel my body. Like it, I'm waiting to get feeling back. So I can't reach my call button to tell the nurse to like, please turn off that noise. So I just had to wait until she came in um, to turn it off. I called my mom desperately. My mom had left her phone in my, in, in my room. I just was crying and I was like, and then my nurse came in and I was like, please turn it off. Please turn it off. Please turn it off. So that part was a little bit scary. He did come back. We did have to monitor his blood sugars for 24 hours. That was a little bit tough, but it can happen to any baby. And so he did get, have to get his blood drawn every two hours, uh, but he did get to stay in our room. The, the fact I got to hold him in between this and feel like the more skin to skin I could get with him. And I started pumping at this point because I did need to have donor milk, uh, which I did grieve a little bit. I wanted to be the first one to feed him. But Nick was very much like, we have to get his levels up so we do not end up in the NICU. Ultimately, right. both, both of our goals were just no NICU. Keep everybody safe. Yes. yes no and NICU. together. So, yes. Everyone's safe and together. So like I had a secondary sadness that I wasn't feeding him, but it was like, it's either this or he goes to the next for the greater good yeah because yeah, like he the reason why i couldn't try to nurse was because it was it was making him too tired and he was losing calories and he could he had none to spare so i had to pause my breastfeeding journey until we got out of the hospital so i was pumping and then i was um but the pumping also was really triggering to to nick because th that was my life for eight weeks in the hospital with wyatt and so just the, that pump brought up a lot from us, like the sound. I have a different pump now that I'm obsessed with. Shout out LV. <laughs> uh, I'm obsessed. We love uh, our LVs. I love our LVs. freaking love it. I love the wireless pump life. So that, that was a little bit hard, but ultimately we got through it and I am making the most like miraculous recovery. The doctors were shook there. I started feeling bod feeling my, my body really, really quickly after surgery. I was in manageable pain. Definitely, definitely hurt. I'm not going to sugarcut a major abdominal surgery. Day one to three is hard, but I was moving pretty quick to the bathroom with support. Um, I was able to like lift myself off the bed a lot. I uh, was able to take short walks. I just felt great. Like I didn't, I, I was so happy, I think. And so yeah. anxiety can play a lot on the body that I now realize because with Wyatt, I was just like a bottle of nerves. And so my whole body felt tight. I also wasn't allowed to move for a couple of days with my condition. And so I like had just a harder recovery. This one has been way easier. I mean, way, even though I'm chasing a toddler, way easier. Cause I have my baby and really like, that's the difference. It's like, I know I, it's like, just like the love fueling you. Yeah. Even like, though I was like Angela, she was like a day, like four. She's like, anyway, first family walk. I'm like, Angela, sit down. No, I know. You do not need to be going on a walk. No, I agree. I for sure agree. I did. I do need to like, you're just like so pumped for life right now. You're like, I am a new woman. Let's oh, go. I'm I like, am, please stay on your bed right now. I am truly, I've never had more fun in my life. I, Shep is, I can already tell is a very like thoughtful person. This is Shep. 
like Shep has is making me I'm a stronger mom because of Wyatt I'm a sweeter mom because of Shep and I just feel I'm so happy like I am just beyond I am the happiest I've ever been in my life and so all the rest of the stuff is just white noise you know I made it to the other side I am so loving sharing my baby like I love having people over also catch me um, having an introvert on the inside the second my introvert sweet love angel sunshine baby Shep leaves my body I am extrovert again You're I'm like, like back every- online I'm like everybody come yeah. over like it's just immediately I'm starting to I'm like mass posting online um, I am a little bit manic. The adrenaline of the first week, I think, happens to a lot of women where you're just like, you can't believe that that happened. So, you know, if a dip comes, I'm ready for it. You know, sleep deprived is the way he's, you know, he, but I am so ha- I will I do it a thousand times over. Like, he's my trick kid. He's the one that makes me want a hundred more. He's, he is mm-hmm. the, the wheatest baby. He is, he is spiritual. Anyone that meets him, they like take the best picture of their life when they're with Shep. Like they're, the Shep Aww. makes people glow. Like <laughs> he, he does. Like everyone is taking these like amazing selfies with my child because he's, there's something spiritual. Everyone, everyone, you know, their like profile photo is like now literally Shep because it's I mean, the like, best photo. <laughs> it's like, I took a picture of my friend Catherine and I was like, you look amazing in this photo. And she sent it to her husband. Her husband's like, whoa, mama, like. Like it was it was a hot photo and then like my friend I mean just the different people my friend Ariana is already like sunshine in a cup but her holding Shep is just like I, I just I'm loving it I'm loving it so that's my story thank you for listening if you if you made it to the end uh, it's a wild ride this life and if I had known it was going to be this good I would have never worried but you can't know until you know you can't and so- know and yeah I think that one this story is the word, and I keep telling this to Angela, it's just like redemption. Yeah. And that how much has been redeemed through Shep. Something that Angela said to me that was just like so sweet. Like I loved it. it was she was like, I am so happy right now. And I refuse to believe like the shoe is going to drop. Like yeah. I yeah. get to just stay in my joy and stay in my happiness until life tells me otherwise yeah and I think so much of this story leading up to this moment was like the shoe was gonna drop like this um energetic feeling of like well when does it go to shit Mm -hmm. and I think that to see you truly in the for the first time Angela in almost three years it was like I refuse to believe the shoe is gonna drop yeah and it was such, oh, uh, like the energetic change of that. Oh my god, I'm like was laughing. so beautiful. Yeah. I am, I am on cloud nine. I, I'm having a ball. Like I really am. I, I think I have a flexibility and an ease that comes with being a second time parent. That's really nice here. Reference: Wyatt was born at two pounds, uh, thirteen ounces, and Shep was a sweet little six pound one ounce. So he's definitely tiny, but he's like still within what you I was would... joking though. I was like, that's massive compared to oh, why it was beyond like everyone has everyone that's met him is like, oh my gosh, he's so tiny and sweet. And to me and Nick, we feel like he's like a football. We're like, oh, he's sturdy. He's good. Like we have, we know that uh, these kids that are so, so, so tiny are so resilient. Like we were showed in the NICU how amazing human life is and how much us as people can endure. And so 
I, they're, they're stronger than they look. And so it's just, we have, we just have a lightness about us. Nick is so relaxed. My, uh, my friend who used to work with us at, at Fence Fanatics came over and she was crying because she's worked with Nick in a work capacity. And she's also knows us intimately as a family. And she, he left to go do a quick errand and she was crying and she was like, I've never seen him this relaxed. I was like, I know me neither. Like both of Mm. us are so in tune with each other and there's more to come, you know? And, but I, like I said, like, I, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to be like, all right, well, later when we're super sleep deprived, we're going to beat it at each other's throats. All right, we'll deal with it then. Right now we're not right now. I feel more in love with him than I ever have. And I'm going to stay there until I'm not there. And that's life. It's reasonable to believe that later there'll be tense moments in parenting. Parenting is hard. But that's not what you have to worry about right now. Exactly. Like I'm like, then it'll come. We'll deal with it. But right now, I mean, we're just so on the same page. We're so loving. We're so happy to build our family. My aunt calls it a booth family. You're officially a booth family when you have two. (laughs) You fill a booth Mm -hmm. at a restaurant. And so anyway, I am, yeah, I have just immense relief. And I'm just glad to have this recorded. And I'm thankful for Kindle for, you know, emceeing with me and getting this on. Yeah. While it's and I'm just, I loved, yeah. And I loved hearing the parts that I didn't know watching you in this journey. Every time uh, things went sideways, I think was when it was like white knuckling something. And then it all fell into place when you like, the minute you would say, you know what? I just surrendered to this. Something good happened. Every single time. And I think that that is just something that we can all carry with us is like, you know, whether that is your um, fertility journey, whether that is something in your job and your relationship and whatever is like there, there's, you know, obviously we can advocate for ourselves, but I think that there's something so beautiful about like the story is unfolding and what is meant for you is coming and it can really like I know you had a real dark night of the soul in the very long in between and so to get here and be like you know you saying I would go through all of it again for this is I think just the the ebbs and flows of all of our life and and the timing was so perfect when you're in it you can't see that so I don't I'm giving all of us grace that have been in oh the, god yeah in the, in the spiral like everyone says oh you know in divine timing you're like screw divine timing like yeah I, no, there's no one F looking off. out for me yeah. like yeah like in in my in the sharpest parts of my pain I was like there is no one looking out for me like I'm alone in this world there is no spirituality like I was so just uh, traumatized now I'm like everything in divine timing, like <laughs> um, all is well. But I will say, trust the universe is working in your favor, even when you can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. I never would have known it could be this good. It feels illegal. Like I feel like I-, I feel like I'm breaking a law because I'm that happy. So happy. I I think that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Now I will say, uh, June and Shep have un- unlocked some creativity in Kindle. So some more projects to possibly come for us. Yes. And, yes. Um, also hopefully to be on mic a lot more because I'm back, baby. I'm back. I for sure. Well, neither back. of us are pregnant. Thank God. <laughs> oh Thank God. We are done. Yes. We are like, they're here and we can just, yes, yes. yes, yes be yes. humans again. Yes. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing, Angela, and we will catch you soon. Bye-bye.